Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Are you ready for this, folks? Jesse is on Interstate 10 again, going to a funeral. <laughs> That's not going to stop my brother from being on the radio with us. So, Jess, welcome, my brother. Thanks, Terry. You Good bet. to be on. I'm 10-8 here. Yeah, you're 10-8, yep. For the 10 freeway. Amen, brother. Hey, today we are got a great show. Our good friend Father Kirby is going to be with us. He's got a book called A Journey to Mount Carmel. It's basically about Carmelite spirituality in the church, which is one of the great spiritualities that the church has to offer. And uh, we're also going to be covering, and I think it's exciting to hear, a Catholic actor, Neil McDonough. He's starting a faith-based film company. And this man has already put his foot down on things that he wouldn't do in the film industry that would be against his Catholic faith. So that, first of all, got me his, got my attention. I say praise God for that. Also, Jesse, before we get into, you know, we always call it the need-to-know file. I, I, I just want to say this, that it's amazing. Our brothers and sisters in Cuba, which is basically, you know, a Catholic country in the sense of baptisms, yeah, uh, they're they're having their largest exodus ever in the history of the island since 1959. The people are getting fed up with communism, and I'm glad that's happening because I think it speaks volumes and where people put their feet. And if you think about the immigration, 90 percent of the immigrants want to come to one country. It's the United States of America. Huh. Surprise, surprise. Jesse, do you have any more information on your need-to-know files before I have Santa Claus come in? And I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas on this octave of Christmas. Yeah, no. Uh, the only thing uh, that I want, want to mention on the need-to-know file is uh, let's continue praying for Holy Mother Church, especially Father Frank Pavone. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and again, uh, it's, uh, it's – I got – I keep getting emails that people are asking me, uh, hey, Calling them Father Frank Pavone. Uh-huh. Yeah, I get the same. So my, my, my response is, Terry, is that, is that when a priest is ordained, a Catholic priest, Psalm 110 tells us that he's a priest forever yep. in the order of Melchizedek. Yep. In other words, that's why even a priest that's excommunicated, uh, when the church brings them back in, they don't have to get reordained. Why is that? Because they're already a priest forever. They receive the indelible mark in their soul. They're configured to Christ. Amen. And so uh, the fact is, when, when, when a priest is ordained, Jesus Christ sees them as a priest forever. And so that's why I continue using that title, Terry. I get it. It makes sense to me. And uh, priest from Melchizedek, absolutely. And you know what? Nobody can deny that indelible mark that's made on a priest's soul when he's ordained. Hey, Jess, I want to bring in, um, this is really, this is the octave of Christmas. Maybe some of you have heard our commercial, but some haven't. So I want to play a greeting from Santa Claus to all of our listeners at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Play that clip, please. Merry Christmas. If you don't know who I am, well, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, Santa Claus. I always listen, and so should you. (laughs) Oh, 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 I love it. What a great comment. Can I can I break the news to some of our listeners? This is uh, our, believe it or not, I'm going to tell you, it's our engineer, and he goes and he plays Santa Claus in all the Christmas parades here in Covina for the last decade or so, and I just thought you might like that as a message. Jesse, I also want to rem- remind people, it's a great feast day after the gospel. St. Thomas Beckett, man, you talk about a man's man, Jesse. Whoa, what he went through to yeah. martyred for the faith. He was a big dude, too, man. I'm going to talk a little bit about how four guys tried to take him down in the first round. He won the first round, but he lost the second round. But he didn't. 
He didn't. Uh, he lost the second round because he was willing to pray his uh, his prayers, and they knew it, and they came from behind him. So anyhow, we'll talk about that. Uh, Jess, before we get into some soul food, I want to thank all of our listeners again. At the end of the year, if you'd like to make a year-end donation, one of our donors just called me today, and he's putting a check in the mail, and the end of the you know fiscal year for IRS donations. So if you want to do that, I'd appreciate it. If you want to do it on your card, we can run it today at uh, 877-526-2151. Let's get some soul food in our soul, Jess. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 and following. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. The Greek physician tells us when the... I think we lost Jesse. All right, we'll see if we can get him right back. I'm sure he's just... On the interstate. There he is. Go ahead, Jesse. We lost you for a second. Continue, please. Okay. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of two turtle, of turtle doves or two young pigeons mm-hmm. in accordance with the tradition. Continue. I think we just lost Jesse again. Let's see if we can get him back on Interstate 10 here. Reading the gospel. We're going to come right back to that gospel, and Jess Romero will be calling back in. I want to recommend something while Jess gets back on. Thomas Beckett was a bishop and a martyr. And I can tell you, uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland, is, it's his favorite uh, bishop that he models his own bishopry after. Think about this. He lived in uh, 11, uh, 1118. He died in 1170. He studied in Paris. He was named chancellor to the king and later was consecrated Archbishop of Canterbury. A conversion followed his appointment as Archbishop and he's absorbed himself in his duties defending the rights of the church against King Henry II, who exiled him for six years. Upon his return, St. Thomas endured trials and here's what happened. He was martyred by the king wanted to get rid of him. So he sent four guys. Now you got to remember, Beckett was a lot larger than everybody else. He was about 6'4". Back then, that was like a foot taller than an average guy. So it's pretty obvious to catch him. But he was also a very physical man. Well, the first time the king's guys came in to try and kill him, he defended himself and warded off the attack. The second time, he had to pray his vespers, his prayers, and the breviary. So he had a rule that you always leave the church doors open so people can come and pray. Well, while he was praying his bravery, those four thugs came up and clobbered him over the head. And as he was getting beaten down, he was praying for them to for, in a forgiveness for what they did to him. So what a great model for us today. And again, uh, my friend Bishop Joseph Strickland has told me that Thomas Becket is his model. So, you know, when you have a bishop who speaks out against the times of the times, he's going to be persecuted. So, St. Thomas Beckett, please pray for us. Jesse, let's get back to that gospel. Are you there? Yeah, Terry, I'm here. One more time. Uh, Go ahead. To mention, yeah, I just wanted to mention that uh, I, what would be a beautiful thing for all of us, yeah. imagine when we're dying yeah. and somebody brings to us the Holy Eucharist, oh, yeah. and we can say the, the words of, uh, of Simeon, as somebody brings us Holy Viaticum, mm-hmm. and we can say, uh, my, eye, my own eyes 
have seen the salvation. Wow. Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Uh, your word has been fulfilled. Can you imagine that we can all say that at the moment Powerful. we're about to die, the words of Simeon? And also, the last thing I want to mention sure. is that uh, Simeon talks about the Blessed Virgin Mary, that her heart will be pierced with a sword as well. Her heart was mystically pierced because she saw the entire passion of her son, Jesus Christ. And that's why there's a devotion in Catholicism called the Seven Sorrows of Mary, where we go through the seven swords that were pierced in her immaculate mm. heart as she witnessed what happened to her son from the moment that he was born to the moment he would be put on a cross, Terry. Well said, Jesse. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. This guy hits hard, Bishop Sheen. Wow. He says, the real test of a Christian is not how much he loves his friends, but now how much he loves his enemies. And I think of that today, Jesse. How can we love our enemies the most? By praying for them. Yeah. By offering yeah. sacrifices for their conversion. To me, I can't think of a better thing to do for an enemy of myself. What, how about you, Jess? What's your That's take right, on that? That's right, Terry, because con, con, uh, praying for somebody's conversion mm -hmm. is, uh, is, is one of the highest acts of charity, praying for somebody's soul. Mm. <clears throat> and again, even it, it, so, it, some people say, no, but I don't love that person. Well, what, what is love? I mean, that doesn't mean you have to hang out with them, have barbecues and, you know, and, and, and you know, be hugging on them all day. No. Love is to act, to, to will and desire what's best for another person. So what's the best that you can will for another person? Their salvation. Amen. So pray for them so that they receive the grace of salvation and the grace of conversion. That's the highest form of Christian charity that you can do for your enemies. You know, Jesse, you just quoted St. Thomas. Remember he said <clears throat> about willing the good for the other person is the best thing to love? That's a Thomistic uh, philosophy yeah. there you just expressed. Yep. All right. Hey, Jess, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. We're going to get Father, uh, oh gosh, amazing priest, Father Kirby. He's been on many times with us before, folks. And we're going to talk about his book, A Journey to Mount Carmel. Basically, Carmelite spirituality in the church. You know, the, the St. Yeah. Teresa of Avila. This is really good stuff for all of us to listen to. Jess, I also want to make a, a plug for our conference coming up in two weeks. Your brother, Jess Johnny Romero, will be here. Myself, Terry Barber, will be here for an evangelization conference. Plenty of room for people to come. Let's be honest, everybody. Is it hard to evangelize in a scandalized world and a scandalized church? Yeah, but we're going to give you the tools to get back on target, to spend more time not complaining about the world of church, but actually introducing people to the person of Jesus Christ. You want to do that? Then go over to our website, vmpr.org. Or sign up by going by calling 877-526-2151. Remember, this is Johnny Romero. He's just like Jess on fire. He's got some tools that he's going to teach you to help you bring relatives and friends back to the Catholic faith in spite of scandal. Stay with us, family. When we come back, we will have our special guest. And he's a priest, Father Jeffrey Kirby, Papal Missionary of Mercy. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jesse's on Interstate 10 driving to a funeral. And believe it or not, we have Father Kirby, who's the author of a book called Journey to Mount Carmel. Father Kirby, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. 
Thank you, Terry. It's good to be back on the show. It's glad I'm glad to have you back. Every time you write a book, I end up reading books of yours, and I love them, and I learn so much. So thank you for that. Uh, Jess Romero is with us on Interstate 10. Uh, he's gonna. We're gonna be going back and asking you some questions. We have the book up on the screen right now for people to take a look and hopefully purchase that book for the new year. Uh, I like uh, in your introduction, Carmelite spirituality to the Catholic Church. A journey to Mount Carmel. It's a nine-day preparation for an investiture into the brown scapular of Our Lady. Uh, Father, give us the origins of the brown scapular, and if you don't mind, a short history of it, please. Yeah, so uh, in order to understand the the power of the, the brown scapular, first if we go back even to the Old Testament. Mount Carmel is actually a, a real mountain range. It's in the northern part of the Holy Land. And throughout salvation history, it was known as a place of refuge, of protection. Uh, we could say rejuvenation because the springs of Mount Carmel, the water was very refreshing. So even the physical hmm. you know, demeanor and, and, and environment of Mount Carmel kind of lent itself to a type of spirituality. Again, God is our protector. God is the, the source of, of our uh, rejuvenation. God is the living water and so on. So, so we see this. And, and in particular, the prophets were really very moved uh, by Mount Carmel and oftentimes went there. Of course, most preeminently is the prophet Elijah. We hear about that battle between the priests of Baal and Mount and prophet and the prophet Elijah there on Mount Carmel. And, and other prophets we we see went uh, to the various caves and, and and crevices of the Mount Carmel range in order to reflect, to pray, to be protected, to commune with God. And early in the Christian tradition, there were a bunch of hermits that would go to Mount Carmel. And they were kind of continuing this spiritual tradition of listening and waiting for God. And they had various mystical images and, and, and experiences with Our Lady. So very early on, they associated their spirituality with Our Lady. And then uh, in the course of time, the needs of the church, these hermits became friars, mm-hmm. so mendicants, kind of like the Franciscans and Dominicans. And, and Our Lady gave the brown scapula to St. Simon Stock, who was one of these uh, friar Carmelites. And then, of course, the the, uh, the uh, scapula for the religious is, is, is full length. It covers the entire front and back. Uh, we see it with religious sisters and the friars. The abbreviated version that we're common, that we're oftentimes associated with the common version we might know, is is actually just two small pieces of wool worn with cords. Uh, a portion is worn on the front, the portion on the back uh, of the person. And, and that scapular comes from this long tradition. It's a reminder to us of our consecration to Jesus Christ, of, of the spirituality of, of waiting and listening for God. And, and I, I think in the contemporary times, uh, in a secular age, it's particularly important. It can be helpful to Christians just to be reminded of God's presence and of our call to follow him. We live in a world that tells us God doesn't exist. Yeah. So anything we can use, especially from the spiritual treasury of the church, especially one that calls us to acknowledge God's presence, to wait for him, to listen to him, I think it's very much needed today. Well said, Father. I want to—I forgot to introduce a little bit because you've been on our show several times, but Father, you have an, um, you're a, a papal mes- missionary of mercy. You're the pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in India and Island, uh, South Carolina, and you're also a professor of the theology at the Belmont College. Uh, you also are a senior contributor to the Crux News site, which is great, and the author of several books on spiritual, moral, and pastoral subjects. So you've written a lot. You've uh, got a lot of experience in this new book that you're sharing with us 
I hope and pray people will purchase it. Father, I'm right up to bat. How can people get a copy of that book? Yes, yeah, so I would say the book's available uh, through the publisher, uh, Sophia Institute Press. Great publisher. It's also, it's also available on EWTN's religious catalog. Excellent. I want to encourage people not to, you know, don't don't support Amazon. I really want to encourage with people you. our Catholic resources. And, and then, of course, uh, Jesse and, and, and Terry, we have, uh, you know, these local Catholic bookstores Amen. that can oftentimes order these books Help. for people. Yeah. Ah, I have to support our own. Like, yeah. you know, it's just shocking how many times we can know what we're called to live, what we're called to believe, and yet we find ourselves supporting corporations that are at odds with our way of life, and Amen. especially with options. So uh, the publisher, EWTN's Religious Catalog, and the local Catholic bookstores. Awesome. Jesse? Walk, walk us through how one becomes invested in the Brown Scapular. Yeah, so uh, investiture, actually, um, in terms of the Carmelite Order, it's actually very simple. Uh, any priest can invest in the Brown Scapular. Of course, a Carmelite priest is, is always the most favored. It's it's within their spiritual family. But any priest can invest a person. Uh, there's no formal preparation. So the, the nine-day preparation I wrote for the book is, is, is a devotional exercise. Uh, there is no formal preparation uh, for this for the scapular for the investiture in the brown scapular uh, so it's actually very simple if you're a baptized christian uh, you can petition any priest ask any priest to be invested now I, I will tell you both the reason why i wrote the book was because so oftentimes i'm huge on the brown scapular constantly promoting it constantly encouraging it and so on and in the course of time people kept asking me well what do i do to get ready they said, look, I have to do 33 days to consecrate myself to Jesus through Mary. There's all these other preparations. Like, shouldn't I do something if I'm going to be invested in this special way and, and committed to Our Lady in this special way? And I said, you know, gosh, it kept coming up. And I thought, well, you know, let's let, let's go ahead and prepare one. So uh, the Carmelite Order does not have an official preparation. Again, I wrote this one as a devotional exercise. I think it can help people. Just to have that nine-day preparation. I pick nine days because of our custom of a novena. Uh, so uh, investiture, very simple. You're a baptized Christian. You ask a Catholic priest, you can be invested. But I think we can do a little bit more, and hopefully this book will help. Father Kirby, I love the idea of how all of these consecrations are tied into our baptism. So I want to ask you how the investiture into the brown scapular assists in living out your baptismal promises. Where's the key? Where's the connection? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Terry. I got I got a lot to say about Good. that. But I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hit some high uh, some, some some bullet points, some highlights. Yeah. Um, first, here's what happened in, in our recent church history. Yeah. The Second Vatican Council called for the promotion and the encouragement of pious traditions. Yep. But it said that these pious traditions were to be placed within the liturgical year in the context of the Paschal Mystery, basically that the faithful were to be taught about these pious traditions, because sometimes there can be, you know, some slipping into, a, you know, superstition and various things of that sort and so on. Okay, fine. Well, that's what Vatican II asked for, which we're all in agreement with. Well, regrettably, what happened is after Vatican II, the pious traditions disappeared. So processions, scapulars, novenas, litanies, medals disappeared. Beloved and 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 oftentimes generations old traditions and pious customs were just completely removed, discarded, mocked even. I agree. Uh, yeah, by some religious and priests. So so in many respects, you know, there's this kind of reaction to uh, pious traditions, and and people still kind of think there's this residue of well, you know, Vatican II did away with all that. We're not supposed to have those. 
And, and I've written articles where I've cited Vatican II. Yeah. And I see Paul VI, <laughs> a decade after Vatican II, has to write a document on the rosary <laughs> to tell the people, the faithful, yes, you're still you're still supposed to be praying the rosary. This is still important. And, and in the midst of that, kind of highlighting these, these pious traditions and, and placing them within the context of our discipleship. So first, just to, to kind of address that in terms of you know, where these pious traditions fit, where they fit in terms of our discipleship, and to go back to that uh, focus on the Paschal mystery, our baptism, yes. all these scapulars and sacramentals and medals and processions, yeah. they all point back to our consecration in Jesus Christ. So I tell people, look, if you're not baptized, a scapular can't do anything for you. Exactly. If you're not baptized, this medal can't do anything for you. You know, perhaps maybe give you the actual grace of conversion. So you might then get baptized. But all of this is hinged upon our consecration to Jesus Christ that happens in holy baptism. That's why for the book, I thought, you know, for the preparation, let's go back to the baptismal promises. Because a lot of times for many Christians, it's just something we do instead of the creed yeah. on Easter Day. Yeah. And we don't think about them. They're not highlighted a lot. And I thought, no, like these are six points very important questions that go all the way back to the early church in terms of what it means to be a Christian. So I thought, let's retrieve the baptismal promises, place the scapular back within the liturgical tradition, which is what Vatican II really asked for. Right. And then let's come fully dive into the graces and the beauty of the brown scapular of Our Lady. Well said. Jess? Father, does the brown... Tell us how the brown scapular... Give us, I don't know, just give us kind of the metaphysical understanding of how the bronze scapular helps us grow in Christian discipleship, and it it helps us to live as a little a little Christ in our society, and uh, yes, yes, and it gives us that, yeah, very much, yeah, and 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 Jesse, I'm liking the words you're using, um, you know, to highlight the word Christian simply means little Christ, mm -hmm. and to to emphasize that you know a, a lot of our early forefathers and foremothers, the early Christians, they didn't feel comfortable being called Christian because they saw themselves as followers of the way. Uh, they didn't think that, that they were worthy enough to be called Christian. It was the unbelievers who called us Christians, and then eventually the name stuck. And, and the scapper can help us in this vocation, our, our call to follow Jesus Christ, to be little Christ in the midst of the world, because every scapular, every sacramental we use, it relies on the grace of the sacraments, and it actually gives grace, what we call actual grace. Grace is actually given. The life of God, the presence of God, is given by using these devotional practices. So praying the rosary, participating in a May procession, praying a novena, being invested in the brown scapular. You know, all these are part of the devotional life of the church. They enrich our lives, and they help us to both receive grace, but also to be reminded of the presence of God. And I think the, the brown scapular is, is, I think, particularly important in this area because it's worn like a yoke almost, right? You know, the, the scapular again, it's worn by cords and there's a portion on the front, portion on our back, and and, and it reminds us of a yoke. And I, and I emphasize that and, and tell people, you know, let the brown scapular remind you that you are yoked to Jesus Christ. I love that. To him, right? that. That's and, a great analogy, Father. I tell you, and, yeah. and in the midst of the world, we, I mean, my heart goes out to the lay faithful. They live in a world that tells them God doesn't exist, exactly. prayer doesn't work, moral truth is garbage, on and on and on. And, and believers have to constantly fight against that. So, so my argument is we need as much help as we can get. <laughs> and if a scapular can help someone, even just having it physically on our bodies, sometimes as it moves around and shifts, it can remind the purpose person, oh, yeah, that's right, like, 
yeah, okay, the Lord is with me. And of course, we have those beautiful prayers, those pious prayers that, you know, that we can spontaneously pray, sacred heart, Jesus, have mercy on me, Jesus, have mercy, Lord, I love you. And so on these spontaneous prayers that can very much be a part of wearing the brown scapular. Wow, we're going to take a quick break, but I want to remind everybody to get Father's book from Sophia Press. I can just tell you right now, any book published by Sophia Press is a winner. And what I mean by that is it's a solid publishing house. I endorse it 110%. Go to sophiapress.com to pick up Father's book, Journey to Mount Carmel. So when we come back, a couple people are asking me questions about the size of the of the scapular. Does it matter? I don't think so, but we'll ask Father. But I really want to ask Father a very important question, and it's about Carmelite spirituality and how it opens our heart to spiritual freedom. We all want spiritual freedom. Stay with us, family. When we come back, we'll hit Father with that question and much, much more on Carmelite spirituality here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Indeed, we have a wonderful priest, Father Kirby, author of a book called Journey to Mount Carmel. I think this question, in my opinion, is of critical importance because everyone who prays always says, well, how do I pray? How do I encourage? How do I you know, advance in prayer life? And I think the Carmelite spirituality is a great answer. So here's my question, and this is it. Uh, my question is, why does Carmelite spirit, excuse me, yeah, why does Carmelite spirituality open our hearts to spiritual freedom? And here's the key, the gift of contemplation. We all want that. Yeah, so it's very much, a, and I want to go back to just that, sure. you know, early prophetic awareness of, of Mount Carmel. Uh, you know, those those two expressions, uh, waiting for God yeah. and listening for God. Oh, now, yeah, those are certainly in our world today, we need those because everyone's Amen. in our hurry. We live this frenzied pace. Everyone wants to talk and so on. Very few people want to actually listen uh, and so on and so on. So the idea of a spirituality in our, our church that calls us to wait, to calm down, pause, slow things down, and to listen, to listen. And these, of course, can be applied to our neighbor, but first and foremost to God. I mean, Terry, we're at a point where we have to remind people to wait for God. Now, yeah, he's the almighty, the ever-living, the ancient of days, the alpha, the omega, and we try to rush God. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, we want everything instant. <laughs> right, right. So we have to remind ourselves and, and, and our society that we wait for God and we listen to him. And listening is both being attentive to what he is saying, yeah. you know, in terms of, of our heart and, and prayer, but also in terms of obeying him. Like the word obedience is simply Latin for to listen, right? Yeah. So we listen, we adhere, we, we do what, what is asked of us. So I think in these ways, if we nurture this Carmelite spirituality, we're naturally led into contemplation because when we're listening for God, it, ca- it causes us to slow down. We're waiting for him. Suddenly he begins to speak to us. And, and I want to emphasize to people that sometimes when people hear that, they say, what, what are you talking about? God speaks to us. And they guess mm-hmm. like, our prayer life begins with us talking. Amen. We talk a lot <laughs> because we're getting used to praying. And then suddenly that talking eventually begins to kind of quiet down. And then there's a little bit of moment of pause, the beginning of contemplation. And then suddenly we begin to hear God speak to us. And we know it's God because oftentimes he tells us to do things that we don't want to do. Yeah. Forgive this person help with this, go there, and so on. So suddenly, now God is speaking in our hearts. So St. Paul tells us 
in his letter to the Romans, we don't know how to pray as we ought. The Spirit prays through us. So suddenly God begins to speak to us. And, and, and that, to your question, begins to nurture the life of contemplation within awesome. us. And, and, and any spirituality of the church can help, but the Carmelite spirituality in particular is designed for that. And if I could just throw this out, Terry, sure, because sure. I, I'm from the John Paul II generation of priests. Yeah. So, you know, John Paul II, a lot of times people may not realize that he wanted to be a Carmelite first. That's right. He was influenced by that. Yeah, and the yeah. Carmelite Archbishop told him no. It said no. I need I need parish priests. Uh, you know, we gotta get the Nazis out. We we don't know what the future holds. I, I need strong men in the parishes. I need priests. So he told him no. You're gonna be a Dawson priest, awesome. and he obeyed. So if we see even John Paul II how he led the church and that deep spirituality that was such a mark of his life, well, we see glimpses there of the Carmelite spirituality. Well said, Jesse. Yeah, Father, is, is there a, the, uh, a theology proper to the brown scapular? If, like, if you could give a synopsis, would there be a theology to it? I, I would associate the brown scapular definitely with the spirituality and theology of, of Mount Carmel. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have some great Carmelite saints from St. John of the Cross, St. Teresa of Avila, uh, Teresa of Lisieux, um, St. Teresa Benedicta of, of the Holy Cross, uh, Edith Stein. Uh, we have some really powerful uh, Carmelite saints that we can look to. And I think that spirituality, that theology is definitely a part of, we could say, the theology of the Brown Scapular. Great. Father, I'm getting lots of people asking questions on my cell phone because I give my number out, 661-972-7872. And I got right. more questions here, but there, there's two questions they ask. Do we have the original Brown Scapular given to Saints Simon Stock? Is there still the original somewhere in some you know, museum? And uh, wow. no, yeah, I don't I have no idea. I really don't. That's a good question. But so you don't know yeah. that one. But what about this? What ways, this is important, can we nurture the gift of sanctifying grace in our life and actively listening to God? You talked a little bit earlier about listening to God because yes. most yes. of us, again, I, I personally think before the Blessed Sacrament is a key way to listen to God. But I want to hear your thoughts. Yes, yes. So, so first uh, to the question, whoever wrote that, um, bravo, they, they know their um, their basic theology. Yeah. You know, a lot of times Catholics don't even know this language, but there was a time where fourth graders could, could you know, Absolutely. knew this theology and could ask. So the difference between sanctifying grace and actual grace, sanctifying grace, that's the grace we receive from the sacraments. Mm -hmm. it, it's what makes us sons and daughters of God. Actual grace, such as what we receive from the use of sacramentals and so on, can nurture sanctifying grace. So, so to, to the question, yes, like the use of the sacramentals of the church, that actual grace can definitely enhance and deepen our sanctifying grace. So if we don't have sanctifying grace, the only hope for us is actual grace. We might be led to repentance. So either if someone's in mortal sin or they're not baptized, you know, that actual grace is very important. Those of us who have a life with God, who have been adopted by holy baptism, we have the sanctifying grace, the actual grace we can receive from the sacramentals very much helps. So yes, uh, someone who's baptized, someone who, who has a life with Jesus Christ, definitely can nurture that life uh, through the use of, of the brown scapular and, and any of the sacramentals of the church. So uh, that's a great question. <laughs> that gives me hope that the Catholics, uh, you know, yeah. there are Catholics that, that kind of know uh, this term, because I'll tell you, Jesse and, and Terry, let me tell you this, just tell me. distinction is so important in so many areas of our spiritual life. For example, there are times where Catholics will say, I know I can't receive Holy Communion, so what's the point in going to Mass? Uh, right? 
Yes. Now what they didn't realize is that, okay, they're, they're right in that, okay, if they're outside of sanctifying grace, they should not receive Holy Communion. But there is actual graces That's right. that are given just by attending and participating in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And those graces are what lead us to repentance, to make a good confession, and help us to make a firm resolution of amendment. So this understanding of grace, which is almost completely lost now, everybody has psychologized yeah, grace. Exactly. Which is what makes you feel, go to confession because it makes you feel good. You yeah. feel so much better. It's like, we have to be really careful with those type of arguments because that's not why we principally go to confession. And what about the person who goes to confession and they don't feel great afterwards? Exactly. Yeah, very much. So, Father, yeah, good. I'm going to jump in and say Fulton Sheen's Life is Worth Living, which I've been promoting since 1979. Thousands and thousands of them have gone around. It's on our website, people. It's a downloadable thing. You go to uh, vmpr.org, look on the Fulton Sheen's Life is Worth Living. It's his convert course. And his teaching is exactly what Father was saying about sanctifying grace, actual grace. He gives analogies. If, if every person that was in the United States... A Catholic listen to Fulton Sheen, they know their faith well because you'd be personally instructed by one of the great teachers of our Catholic faith. So I had to give a plug for that, Father. And let's ask about this, Terry. As we talk about sacramentals yeah. and the devotional life, the pious traditions, yeah. part of that is praying to the Holy Ones. And so let's let's ask the church to please hurry up and declare Fulton Sheen blessed so he can finally be raised to the dignity of the altar because... Uh Again, we need all the help we can get. Amen, Father. I brought that up last week on the third anniversary, which would have been his beatification. Oh, boy. Father's going to get me in trouble. I'll get on my bandwagon. No, Jess, let's get to the next question. Go ahead. Jess. Yeah, Father, we all, we all wrestle with concupiscence. You think? What does it mean in your book when you talk about creating a Carmel within? Yes, yes. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Jesse. So... Uh, as you talk about this concupiscence, which means we, we're attracted to what we know is evil or wrong or that is not good for us. And and so we were created good, but we have this, you know, this fallen attraction to what we know is not good. And, and of course, that that battle is what St. Paul talks about, that spiritual battle. And And one of the things we can do in terms of the spiritual life to help us to heal concupiscence and fight against it is to develop this karma within. And, and that goes back to uh, Terry's earlier question about uh, the birth of contemplation. So mm -hmm. as we begin to work on our spiritual life, and the bronze scapper can help us with this, as we start to pray to God and, and, and you know carve out that time where it's just going to be you know the Lord and ourselves, we're just praying and, and we're, nur we're nurturing our, our, our spiritual life, that is the karma within. So karma was a place of protection, a place of communion with God, a place of refreshment, a place of rejuvenation. And so we can do that wherever we might be. I mean, say Maximilian Kolbe did that in the middle of Auschwitz. Yeah. Okay. You can do it on a hell on earth like Auschwitz. We we can do it in our state in life, no matter where we might be or, or what conflicts or difficulties we might have. So we have to, as best we can, nurture that Carmel in our own hearts. Well said. Father, I want to just take you over to the break just for about three or four more minutes. We have another activity, but I want to get this these two questions in at least. Can you share a couple of life and death stories as it relates to the brown scapular, please. Yes, I can tell you that there have been many times where I've gone into a hospital room mm -hmm. for a death, uh, a, a death call, so someone is dying, yeah. and arrived, and the person uh, suddenly begins to very much want to receive the sacraments, very much want to go to confession. Wow. 
and, and the family is shocked because they're like, this person has been to mass in years or they hate the church. Or one case I'm thinking of many, many years ago at, at, at a different parish than where I'm currently assigned, uh, the woman was this raging, just uh, belligerent feminist. And she became like the little flower in front of me. Um, and and on each occasion, the person that, you know, because I wouldn't know their history, the person would say, it's because of the sisters they kept telling us to wear the scapular and we die in the grace of God. Wow. I know it was that scapular. So I have many occasions where I know the brown scapular has been effective in helping people draw closer to Christ. I love it. Father, we only have two more questions, but when we come back from the break, uh, this is a big question about how the brown scapular protects us from evil spirits. And we're talking evils around our modern world big time. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. We're on the air with Father Jeffrey Kirby, he's a uh, priest who wrote a book called Journey to Mount Carmel. The way you get the book, folks, is go to Sophia Press. We don't even have Amazon commercials on our network anymore because we don't buy it into that. So please don't use Amazon. Go to the direct Catholic publisher or a Catholic bookstore nearby you to pick up the book Journey to Mount Carmel. When we come back, we're talking again, evil spirits and how the brown scapular protects us from that and much more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Yes, we're too blessed to be stressed. Yes, we're too anointed to be disappointed. We'll be right back after a short break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. We're with Father... Kirby talking about his latest book, Journey to Mount Carmel. Father, how does the brown scapular protect us from evil spirits? Yes, powerfully. Uh, you know, uh, I think that uh, on the brown scapular, yeah. I, I know when I wear, I have a little St. Benedict medal sewed into it, as well as a Mark. small medal uh, sewed into it. Um, so other devotionals can be used with the brown scapular, but the brown scapular itself is very effective in keeping off bad spirits. You know, one of the benefits of the brown scapular, one of the specific graces, is chastity according to one state in life. Amen. And we know right now that the evil spirits, one of the ways in which they are getting in the hearts of many believers is to unchastity. Mm -hmm. And we just look at the porn industry in our country right yep. now. Right. So I think the brown scapular protects us from, from evil, from, from sin, and by extension protects us from bad spirits. So I would definitely encourage the brown scapular to be worn. It's very effective. It's powerful. I mean, it's Our Lady. Our Lady's covering us in her mantle. So... <laughs> I think we're good. Yeah, you think? I would think the devil would run. Jesse, your thoughts and your next question. I think I lost Jesse on Interstate 10. Last question, Father. What is the Sabbatine privilege? Oh, yeah. So Great question. Sabbatine has a lot of, of um, privileges and, and, and blessings associated with it. So the Sabbatine privilege is that after death, on the first Saturday, after our death, Our Lady will go to purgatory and bring us into eternal life. So it can shorten our time in purgatory uh, by our, this devotion to Our Lady. And, and I want to remind everyone, when we talk about promises in the spiritual life, yeah. it doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want and then, hey, we're covered because God made this promise. Yeah. It's not mercantile, like a quid pro quo, but it's very much, uh, we could say, pedagogic yeah. in the sense of, it's like if I wanted to learn to, to play the piano, my 
you know, piano instructor says, if you play every day, you'll be a good pianist, right? That's the way in which these promises work, that if we try to live out our discipleship, we try to draw closer to Christ, mm-hmm. that he will, that his mother will always make sure that we stay close to him. Father, uh, Jesse, I think, is off. Jesse, are you there? No, he, no I'm back on. Oh, you're back on. Give us a final question, Jess. We just asked, go ahead, I'm all ears. We did number 12 already, but yeah, yeah. your final Father, question. Father, give us, pro, give us maybe the most, the most famous conversion story or oh. miracle <laughs> as a result of the Brown Scapula, or probably the, the most popular one that Catholics should know. Oh, goodness. Um, well, I'll tell you this. In terms of the official miracles, and uh, spiritual yeah. uh, activity that is associated with the scapular, uh, you you can pick any hundreds of thousands of tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of stories. Let me just tell you this one that'll freak some people out. Good. Years ago, early on in my priesthood, I told you I love the scapular, I always have promoted it. Uh, I anointed someone uh, that was dying, and it was near the end, and it was an emergency situation and so on. And after I anointed them, I just put the brown scapular on them. And said, if you are not already, then I invest you in the Lady Mount, uh, no, scapula by Lady Mount Carmel. As soon as I put that scapula on the person, <laughs> opened their eyes. Wow. Okay. Wow. And wow. even the medical, the nurses and stuff were freaking out. They were like, oh my gosh. And they immediately started coming in. And they had kind of really laid off some of the medical care, thinking that the person was actively dying. Well, the person lived. Wow. And I think it was the grace of the sacrament that was also you know, enhanced by the use uh, of the scapular and the graces of the scapular. Great story. Father, we're going to let you go, but we want to make one more plug for you on your book, Journey to Mount Carmel, Sophia Press. Check it out, folks. Father, we got to have you on more often because every time we have you, I learn more about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you deepen my love for his church. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. God love you. Thank you, Father. God bless you. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. All righty, we've got our, a few minutes, Jesse, to talk about this Catholic actor, Neil McDonough, who started a faith-based yes. film. Co- Tell us about him, Jesse, because I think you've met him, I think. I haven't, but... Yes, uh, yeah. So Catholic actor Neil McDonough, he's made a lot of, He's an A-list actor. He's made a lot of big movies. Mm-hmm. He recently revealed that he and his wife, Ruve Robertson, mm-hmm. they're launching a new production company that will produce content with Catholic values. Awesome. Uh, that's a good thing. There's... a. Uh, the Christian Post, uh, it's a Protestant uh, magazine, right. they, they reported that, that, that Neil McDonough and his wife Ruby, who have been married for 20 years, they've been at odds with the demands of the film industry. For example, Neil is well known for refusing to, to take on roles that require him to kiss other actors. Good. Uh, yeah, and uh, absolutely. This famed actor, who has made a name for himself for playing villains on TV and in cinema, he stated... Uh, he says these lips are only for one woman. I love it. And so this this man has strong convictions as a, as a, as a Catholic man of faith, and this has sometimes led uh, Neil McDonough to lose starring roles, as was the case with ABC Scoundrels in, back in 2010. He said that in an interview with Fox, Neil explained that there are many factors to his decision to not to take on characters who have carnal relations on the silver screen, but he also said he won't play characters who also disparaged the name of God. So this guy's got, he's got a, a line that he won't cross, which is good. Yep. Uh, he says, I won't mention the Lord's name in vain. Good. I won't kiss another woman. The guy's 53 years old right now. He also says, sex scenes are out for me. Uh, it ain't happening. Uh, he, they're, they're the proud parents of five children, 
And uh, both uh, Neil and Ruby, they want their new production company to have a fake backdrop. And they say that not all of the releases are going to be overtly religious, but every one of them is going to be faith-friendly. Awesome. And they hope that their, their films will also draw audiences of all faiths, and even those with none. And so they're pretty excited about this new goal of theirs, this new project, uh, this couple. Yeah. It's going to be professional, but it's going to be spiritual. And uh, they, they say that, he says, not just to make a movie, but to do a movie that actually gives God glory. That's our goal. And so uh, the company is going to be called the McDonough Company. It's being formally established. Well, it is being established. The McDonald Company has not yet been formally established, but the plans are in the works. We expect to hear more news of this budding Catholic production company in 2023. He says, until then, you can catch and watch Neil McDonough's host Christmas with the Tabernacle Choir featuring Tony Award-winning actress Megan Hitty below. I want to just say thanks be to God we have Catholics who are willing to make a stand in the culture and say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this because I have a moral, you know, my, my moral conscience is what guides me, not money. And that's kind of refreshing, yes. Jesse. Oh, you're back on. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, Terry. Yeah, yeah. This, this is great news. I'll tell you why. Because Neil McDonough, he wants to promote, him and his wife want to promote films that promote virtue. Yeah. And there's a huge audience for these types of movies. To me, it, 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 it's a good sign, Terry. We're seeing more and more Catholics Pushback. jumping into faith-based films. Yep. For, yep. for example, our friend Eduardo Verastegui with, Met, yep. with Metronoia Film. Yep. You got David Henry and his brother Lorenzo Henry. Yep. They have their own Catholic production company as well. You got Mel Gibson. He has Icon Productions. That's got a big footprint. Yep. You got Jim Caviezel, who works with anybody that will promote you know, faith-based virtuous films. You also have comedians like Kevin James and Rob Schneider. Oh, gosh. These guys are also they're they're the real also deal. Promoting yeah, they're they're promoting promoting movies that have faith and virtue as their theme now. Love it. And so uh, this is uh, all of these uh, changes in Hollywood from these small little production companies that are from Catholics. This is a result of of these men encountering their Catholic faith, and they're saying, you know what? Uh, there's a line I won't cross. And this reminds me, Terry, back right around the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s in mm -hmm. Hollywood, yep. it was called the golden era of Hollywood. Yeah. If we get more and more little Catholic production companies, who knows, we can usher in the, whole, the, 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 the golden age of Hollywood once again. Yeah, we'll turn this thing around. It's going to take grace, actual grace, that we were talking about with Father Kirby to do this. And I'm just impressed that they're making this effort to try and bring back morality in our culture. And I, you know what, Jesse? I think we're so far gone that people, when they see someone doing something like this, they're like, wow, is this for real? Are they serious? Yeah. Yes. And I really think, you know, that's one of the reasons we haven't been evangelizing because we haven't been willing to take those risks and put our, our, our teachings, put our morality out on the line and say this is what we believe in and why we believe it because we've been too quiet. And that's going to bring me to this attention about the evangelization conference that John, Johnny Romero and myself are doing January 14th here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. You can actually come and see it, or you can stream it after the conference. We'll have it available. But go to vmpr.org or call 877-526-2151 to register. Jess, I mentioned you're on the way for a funeral of a family member, so let's pray uh, an eternal rest for that person who passed away. Can we do that together yeah. here? Name of the Father, Son of the, name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal rest 
Grant unto Elvia Escobar, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon her. May the soul of Elvia Escobar, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, Terry, um, 10 Freeway, uh, I'm on the way with uh, <laughs> California with my with my uh, lovely wife. Faithful bride. I know it. I love it. He, yeah, my faithful bride. God yeah. love her. Jess, good. Uh, hey, hey, Jess, just a quick note again. This is the octave of Christmas. We just had a great feast of of uh, St. Beckett and what he did standing up for the faith. How how does that apply to us today, Jesse, these saints? Isn't it true that there are models for us to look at and say, wait, wait a minute, they did it. Why can't we stand up in a culture that acts like God doesn't exist? That's my thought. Yeah, Terry, when you when you think about it, the, the, the one reason we were put here on planet Earth was to get out of here. Yeah. And the one reason that we were put here on planet Earth was to become saints. And yeah. so... Uh, that, there should be nothing that should get in our way. Uh, as they say, as, as football coaches, baseball, basketball yeah. coaches tell their kids when yeah. they send them out to play, they say, hey, young man, leave it all out on the field. <laughs> well, that's the same thing that we have to do as Catholics. Before we drop dead and breathe our last breath, just like my friend L.B. Escobar, rest in peace, yeah. leave it all out on the field for Jesus Christ and make a difference. Amen, brother. We'll, we'll be sure to pray for her. Jesse, uh, we're at the end of the, uh, we're in the, we have the uh, Christmas octave, and we're still telling people Merry Christmas. I want to encourage everyone to continue, whether they're at the store, uh, whether they're at home, any t- anywhere they meet people, to continue to wish people Merry Christmas. And as Jess was saying, keep those Christmas decorations up, at least to Epiphany. Some of us keep it up even after, I think it's the presentation of the uh, February 2nd is when it's officially the Christmas season ends. So I just want to encourage people to continue to show Christ is the light. Christ is the reason for the season. Your thoughts, Jess? Wrap Amen. And uh, just just to make, make so you can know that here at VMPR, yeah. we're going to continue putting the spotlight of truth upon this culture of death. Yeah, man. And in 2023, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to keep firing missiles of truth against the wall of life. <laughs> well said, Jess. I always end the show with Jesse, whether he's on the road or not. Jesse, what state should we be living in, brother? Let's live in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Let's get to heaven. Let's be holy or die trying. <laughs> well said. And again, this is, you know, again, Our Lady of Fatima, I continually say that she said this. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. We can all be participating in this great work of Christ by uniting our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world. Offer up anything as a sacrifice. Going to school, doing your homework, going to work, driving on the freeway. Offer it all to Jesus for the salvation of souls. I want to thank everybody again. I hope to chat with you soon again in the new year. May God richly bless you and your family. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from BMPR.